1: Hello, Liturgy Guy. It's been a long time since I've seen you, Liturgy Guy. Is it? <laughs> I saw Chris at the Seek Conference. You decided um, not to attend. So. Yeah, you both went to Seek and didn't tell me you
0: were going. He didn't seek us out, Jesse. No, he. You knew we were going. I mean, yes, you did. Do you, you did. They had a contest one night, Dennis, but, uh, between the the two most. Uh, uh, I don't want to say the, the largest schools who, were, who sent the biggest representation of yeah, students.
1: Benedictine always wins that one.
0: They didn't win. What? It was against my alma mater, the University of Nebraska at Lincoln. They had this, uh, what, would you, what do they call it? They had this shouting or screaming contest mm-hmm. and then oh. registered the decibels. And uh, That just means cool you're a though. bunch of
1: loud mouths. That's all that means. Yeah, it means. It doesn't mean you does had mean. more
0: people there. Okay. But still, Benedictine is uh, big time at SEEK, and you should have been there. You're big time at Benedictine.
1: Well, you know, it was founded here on this very campus. Yes. And right. the first SEEK conference had 22 students, and it was in one of our classrooms.
0: Mm.
1: Now look at it. Factor of a thousand, multiple of a thousand. Yeah, whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hope your apostolate takes off someday too. <laughs> <laughs> so do I or mine. <laughs> well, how many listeners does liturgy guys have? Probably 17,000. We don't even 000. know anymore. Let's just say 17,000. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the number. That that's, right? that's
1: what we're going with. So thank okay. you, Liturgy Guy listeners. Let's go in yes. one, one of the seventeen thousand. Yes. Ah. Um,
0: but yes, yeah, so we we missed you, Dennis, and maybe next year in uh I'm in still St. Better. Louis again.
1: Is it in the St. Louis again next year?
0: It is. Yeah. It is. That's interesting.
1: Well, you know what we discovered, Chris? Jesse doesn't know. Chris knows. We had a little um, info session, work session for the faculty here before the school year started. And we talked about artificial intelligence writing papers for students. These bots, Mm. these artificial intelligence bots. And you just put in a sentence, write me a paper about whatever. And... It starts writing your paper. So I put in, what is the contribution of Christopher Carstens to liturgy? And I sent it to you, Chris. Kind of funny, huh?
0: First of all, it, it said very Father, funny.
1: Father Christopher Carstens. didn't look at your 17 children or how many you have. They say you taught at Notre Dame. It got some other books wrong. And, you know, the books that you wrote that were actually yeah,
0: correct yeah. to somebody else. It made me sound really smart.
1: Big time. And and what were my contributions, Dennis? I i didn't Google you. It used to just Google yourself and see what would come up. Now you AI yourself, bought yourself, and it tells you a story. But I put my name in and it said, uh, I do not have enough information on Dennis McNamara. Are you sure he's a real person? So, okay, good. Then I put in Dennis McNamara Architecture and Liturgy, and the, the whole thing came up. So it's an interesting phenomenon that students can have uh, AI write their papers for them, but be careful because it's not very accurate
0: yet, <laughs> but it's still pretty impressive. I Aren't thought mine know? was an improvement, actually, I mean, yeah. except for the priest part. I'm not a priest, but mm-hmm. anyway, that, that, nothing yeah. against priests. So we should do that for
1: Liturgy Guys. What? That's the Liturgy Guys Yeah, podcast. Let's see yeah, what happens. Maybe.
0: Yeah, well, um, speaking of Liturgy Guys, <laughs> what uh, uh, this uh, we're about done with this document that uh we've been when did we start this last week
1: uh, yeah right no we like started like 7 no, we started... 8 episodes ago oh right right <laughs> yeah. right You're and who talks more than the bishops is people talking about it's the bishops what you guys yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: and uh, so this document uh what is it uh, the mystery of the eucharist and the life of the church mm-hmm. and this is the bishops uh, what would you call it kind of their Theological justifi- uh, justification, isn't it? But uh, rational, sure, sure. For the yeah. for the Eucharistic revival, and it's really, I don't know. I think we're all surprised. Maybe the listeners aren't surprised, but we're surprised that it took this many episodes to get through it. And we're constantly surprised about that. But we're finally about done. It's a very good document. Um, I think uh, it's worth certainly worth talking about, worth reading. What's too, it called, Chris? The Mystery of the Eucharist and the Life of the Church. Hey, okay. that gets so, it right. Yeah. But this last section uh, is, right, so the first part was about the gift of the Eucharist, and the second half is about our response to it. And this last chapter of the second part is about our response is, what's your ultimate response to the Eucharist? What ought it to be?
1: Oh, so it's based on our own opinions. Is that the deal?
0: No, 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 no. What, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what is the best response you can give to the Eucharist, Jesse Weiler? Uh, to become Christ for the world. Yeah, Bing- bingo,
1: bingo, yeah. Sanctity. Sanctity. I, Chris, I I do that with my son Theo, and I yeah. I'm trying to feed him, and he's resistant. I'll yeah, do like good. a little airplane thing, and yeah. then when I when I feed him, I'll just say yeah. the bingo thing. It works yeah. every time.
0: Yeah, again, maybe the most uh, uh, inspiring thing I've ever said on Literature Guys. Bingo, bingo. But to, yeah, this last one is called this last section is called food for the journey. And it talks about how this gift of the Eucharist, we respond to it by being transformed by it, by becoming saints. And so the the, the document lists uh, three saints or highlights three saints. Of course, there are many. Uh, do you I don't know, do you remember, uh, Jesse or Dennis, what these saints are and what do you know about them?
1: Well, Blessed Carlo Acudis was the first one uh, there in paragraph 52, who, you know, I haven't learned too much about, you know, I see these sort of icon things they make of him and he's there in his. Backpack and his computer, and it's like that's not an icon, you know. But then you actually read about this kid, and he's kind of an amazing young Italian teenager beatified in 2020. And uh they quote him saying, The Eucharist is my highway to heaven. I don't know how many 13 year olds or 12 year olds, 14 year olds <laughs> would be saying that kind of stuff, you know. But this is I don't know how to, many adults are saying yeah, that stuff highway <laughs> to heaven, right? You know, who sings highway to H E W hockey? Uh, ACDC. Oh, that's right. You're Mr. ACDC. But he said, what it says here is, Blessed Carlo attained sanctity at such a young age because the Eucharist was at the center of his life. He went to Mass daily and prayed each day before the Blessed Sacrament in adoration. And he said to always be united with Christ. This is my life's program. Kind of cool. You know, what good is a computer without its hard, you have its hardware, its software, its firmware, right? I guess you could say the divine life is our, I don't know if it's software, firmware. It's the electricity that runs through us. Whatever it is, but to get all the bugs out of your uh, out of your program, uh, and then to get filled with all the the voltage you need. I mean, that's kind of how humanity lives at a high level. Hmm. It's kind of like the um, McAfee virus protector that thing that always pops up on the lower right hand corner of your computer.
0: Hmm. Actually, you know, since we were talking about Sikh, I don't know if you made it, Jesse, to the, you know, that they have that one night of Eucharistic adoration and they have confessions. And I know, Dennis, you've been to that, too, and in mm-hmm. other ones. And, uh, uh, yeah, you want to talk about 15,000, uh, I guess they're not teenagers, they're 20-somethings, uh, the energy in that room on that night. I mean, isn't it that, that that's got to be considered the highlight of uh, this uh, the Sikh event, you know, the the, the adoration for the blessed sacrament uh the kind of quasi procession that they do not with the people but through the people and just the the energy in this room is uh uh well just as you were saying dennis i mean that's that's what's going to fill us with uh, with joy and grace and happiness and inspires out uh, inspire us to go out to mission and i i think the the folks that seek. Um, you know they didn't invent this but they've done a, a real service to to the church in in supplying this occasion for young people to do this real intense period of eucharistic adoration so i was there with my my two kids dominic and helen who were uh sophomore juniors in college and they had never been to seek before they were incredibly moved by uh by that period of adoration so yeah and, blessed the, Carlo.
1: and the and the current concurrent you know confession line which was like a mile long And if we're talking about, you know, Sikh liturgical stuff, we got to give a shout out to uh, Adam Bartlett, Liturgical Institute uh, grad and all of the great liturgical Mm -hmm. music Mm -hmm. stuff he was doing there. So, but yes, yes. back to Carlo. Yeah. Well, you know, Carlo obviously is not just memorizing the Council of Trent, right? Back to the Council of Trent. Says good things, but, you know, we're going to talk about Pope Benedict and the Eucharist in a future episode here. And one of the things I was reading in preparation for that was he he, he makes his point that the Eucharist is Christ's continuing presence among us. Okay, so we talk about real presence and that sort of thing, but to say they walk through this giant room at Zeke with a monstrance and freezes holding in the spotlights on it, and they really encourage you to not just say, oh, here's this liturgical vessel with this sacrament in it walking by, but Jesus is walking by, right? So to look at him as if Christ were looking back at you and touching you and people have these experiences of encountering Christ in the way that you could kind of imagine people encountering Christ in Galilee you know 2000 mm-hmm. years ago mm-hmm. and so to really say okay it's not just a thing right it's an action but it's a thing but it's a presence and presence is uh, is always active and transformative yeah,
0: yeah it's an yeah. encounter with a person i mean and that's right. uh, i mean that's that's been the magisterium and the popes and certainly the USCCB's intentions now to have this uh, this enlivened encounter with the person of Jesus made present in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm.
1: And so what we're you, kind of lucky we live in the time we live, right? You know, if this were 1920, nobody would be walking around with a monstrance, and There would be no seek, right? You would be just expected to, you know, pay, pray, and obey in a certain way. And you'd look at your Eucharistic king on the altar on his throne, which is awesome. But this other side of it, which is now Jesus yeah. is coming to you, walking around yeah. with you. It's pretty good.
0: Well, speaking of 1920, so this next yeah. saint that they mentioned, Dennis?
1: Yes, St. Uh, Jose saint... Sanchez de Rio, del Rio.
0: Yeah, so he died in 1928, uh, and he was not doing Eucharistic adoration, <laughs> at least not uh, towards the end of his life. Uh, I don't know. I, I know very little about uh, St. Jose Sanchez del Rio myself, but he was, a, a, I think, a flag And what, what was the movie that came out recently, For Greater, for Greater Glory? Is that what it's called? about the um uh the wars in uh Mexico at that time. So yeah, like,
1: Christ the King and
0: Yeah, the Cristero. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he was, I think, the flag bearer for a group of uh, soldiers and was uh captured and imprisoned and tortured, and uh was sustained at the end by it says in this document that uh uh the blessed sacrament was smuggled into his cell, and you know, the his uh those who had imprisoned him and were torturing him, Sam, if you would just say a death to Christ, the king will let you go. But he was sustained by uh, the Eucharist and he encouraged uh, those around him. And uh, again, he got his wish to to die for Christ and to be uh, with Christ in heaven. So, yeah, I mean, who who does that? And he was 14, 14. Yeah, yeah I mean,
1: yeah. think of your average 14 year old with a soldier oh, the gun in his or her face. They'd be like, whatever. I don't care. And cry, just send me home to mom and dad. So here is this, uh, what's called food for the journey, right? So he's close to the end of his mm-hmm. journey or his new journey to uh, to heaven. And so the Eucharist is this gives you that strength you need in that moment. You know, it's hard to imagine being martyred and wondering if you'd have the strength in that moment. But the Eucharist is that yeah. spiritual. Uh, have you spiritual? guys seen the
0: movie Silence, the Martin Scorsese movie? Nope. Oh, by about the from it's that Shusaku Endo novel uh, about the uh, Japanese uh, missionaries. Yeah. That one,
1: yes, yeah, the Jesuit. Yeah, uh, I've, priest. I've read the book, yeah. but I
0: haven't seen the movie.
1: It, it really makes you think about that. You know, and um, and and what's what and what'd you do? What would you do in that situation and why? And it makes you it makes you real uncomfortable. I I recommend uh, checking it out. Sure.
0: <laughs> You've heard this line. I don't know who came up with it. I see it different places. I think I could be a martyr if they killed me really, really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So- <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Who was who 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 the knows?
1: saint that said, you know, make, make me a saint, but not yet or something like oh, that. St. Augustine, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, Lord, make, make, chastity, make, make me chaste. Oh not yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> which yeah. is
1: That's del- where I'm at in my life. Right. <laughs> Just <like> Delightfully <laughs> honest. Yeah.
0: Uh, the third saint that they mentioned here is uh, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, who's the first yes. uh, American born saint. And she, uh, let's see, she was, uh, they celebrated her feast day uh when is that, this, uh, January uh, 4th, I think? Sixth.
1: Wow, Sixth there's is a liturgical
0: factoid that Chris doesn't know. No, I think it's the 4th. Mark this date. It's the 4th. Oh. All right, he doesn't I, I think so. Six is Andre Bessette. Everybody knows that. Or the mm. epiphany. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so they preached about... Um, I think it was Bishop Conley preached about this uh, uh, at the seat Conference about Elizabeth Ann Seton. So the first American-born uh, canonized saint. And they had this, uh, she was an Episcopalian uh, convert. And it says here in this document that she found herself in this Episcopalian uh, at uh, worship in her church in New York, looking out the open window and praying to Jesus in the tabernacle one block away in a Catholic church. So,
1: and the that, reason she was doing that is because she was impressed by the devotion that Catholics had to the blessed sacrament. So you can imagine you go, you're, you're a pagan of some kind. You go to seek and there's like 18,000, 17,000 college students having conversion moments right there. You would say, I'm impressed with that. What are they doing? And so adoration is good for us, right? The Eucharist is good for the individual, but the external devotion to it is also a great sign to yeah. others. And then of course, you know, she's very wealthy and she becomes Catholic and, starts the religious order mm-hmm. of the uh sacrament right and um oh, start schools is? all over
0: the place I, yeah is that the name of i don't know oh She's no no in, that's the sister's
1: charity i was getting here confused with yeah. but um
0: yeah you know the bishops to their credit they didn't ask us uh what saints we uh would want to be included in this but i'll ask you um i mean because i you know I'd, i'm getting to learn more about uh, carlo cutis and, and in fact we have uh we're having a Eucharistic revival summit in the diocese tomorrow, and uh, they've obtained this Carlo Acutis uh, Eucharistic Miracles display. And so that's uh, downstairs in my building now. So I'm getting to learn more about him. I know I did really didn't know anything about Blessed uh, Jose Sanchez de Rio, uh, a little bit about Elizabeth Ann Seton. Which saints, what are your your guys' go-to saints, especially relative to the Eucharist?
1: St. Tarsisius, hands okay. down. Who is he? No, and why? no pun. No pun intended. Okay, uh, okay it was a little intended. Uh, he was a, uh, I believe, he was an acolyte in in uh, the early Roman uh, uh, Christ, Christian martyr days, and he was uh, carrying the blessed sacrament down the street, and um, he was trying to protect it. And some Roman soldiers asked him what he was carrying, and he wouldn't. Uh, he wouldn't reveal. He wouldn't. Uh, let anybody, you know, um,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: get, get, get at what was in his hands. And so they, they murdered, they killed and murdered him. Uh, And after he was dead, his hands were so clasped tight around the blessed sacrament, even in death that the soldiers couldn't even pry his hands open to Mm. find out what was in there. So they called, they called a local Bishop and he came out and just gently opened his hands Uh. to reveal the blessed sacrament. So Mm. he literally died. Uh, protecting the Blessed Sacrament.
0: Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't know that last part. Yeah. Uh, Dennis, what about you? I mean, I was thinking about uh, St. Dennis uh, walking around with his head, you know, in his arms and so things like mm-hmm. that. And so or like, like St. Christopher, I mean, he's not a, an especially Eucharistic saint, but uh, what about you? Do you have a Eucharistic saint uh, that you would uh, recommend?
1: I don't like being put on the spot like this because I know, I, that's I, why I, I asked don't you. know. Yeah, I know, just... Talk about feeling uncomfortable, but there should be something <laughs> I can say, right? Um, let's say a potential future saint, Pope Saint Benedict the Sixteenth. I uh, know he's not yet, right? People in Rome are yelling "Santo subito," and it's going to be a while, probably. But here's a guy, sixty-two books he's written, right? Intense really logical, yeah. Sixty-two books, and three of them while he's pope. I mean, I can't even get a book out while I'm a you know center for director. You just publisher. published a book. It was one-third of a book. Chris did most of the way <laughs> and, and Alexis, um, but which we should talk about that again. It's called Solemnities, a Tapestry of Divine Beauty. Um, but Benedict, immense intellect, and yet he does he's not locked in the intellectual box of this Aristotle, blah, 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 because he's an Augustinian, right? So he has this like deep emotional sense. Like you're talking about Augustine before. I mean, who says, Lord, make me chaste, but not yet. That's not someone who's locked up in an intellectual box. That's someone who's encountering deep desire and fighting his way through his own weakness and having this deep, deep humanity. And at the same time knows why it should be the way it is. So, you know, uh, I was reading in prep for our next podcast, some of Pope Benedict's homilies for Corpus Christi, and there's some really amazing insights that are very, very human, without doing any damage to the immensity of of the sacrament and its place in the life of the church. And he always talks mm. about love around it all the time. Why do we have the Eucharist? Matter and form. Believe this Aristotelian? No, because God loves us and mm. gives Himself to us, mm. which is always the bottom line. And he never he never forgot that. Mm. No, what sad. about you, Chris? Yeah. Um you, you, Chris, say, you, Chris, you Chris. You
0: Chris. I'd say uh I kind of appreciate I think, a little bit more uh Ignatius of Loyola, uh, because I've learned that uh Sushipe prayer that I don't know if he's actually the author of that, but he it's associated with him in some forms about um receive Lord my entire freedom. And it's something I've tried to pray after I receive communion that um You know, that part of uh, this receiving communion is conforming yourself to Christ, not making Jesus more like me, but me becoming more like Christ. So I pray that after I receive communion, as if Jesus is receiving me in communion, receive, Lord, me, my entire freedom, my intellect, my will, what I have, what I possess, all the stuff that is actually yours in the first place and that you gave me. I'm going to do you the favor and give it all back right now. And I was thinking about this today, you know, in... uh, in their stead, give me only love of you and your grace, which is essentially divine life. So I tell you what, God, in communion, I'm going to give you the good, the bad, and the ugly that I have. And you give me divinization. Sounds like a fair deal. <laughs> I, oh, it's amazing. But still, no, I, I'm skeptical of the whole thing. Yeah. So I never. Well, Jesus
1: said he wants me to have your Subaru since you gave it to him. So uh, drive it down here one of these days. Yeah, was my it, wasn't that. You know, do you know what you call a, a Subaru that a saint touched? Um, Santo, Santo, Subaru. Subaru? Santo, no, Santo, Santo Subaru. Santo Subaru. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Super <laughs> relic. Super yeah. relic. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. But that's but I, the key thing yeah. here is, right, food for the journey. We're all on the journey from the time you come out of the womb to the time you go to the next birth yeah. into heaven, hopefully. Um There's a lot of hard stuff in life, right? Challenges and health and mental health and loneliness and sadness and kids who betray you and wives who cheat on you. (laughs) All kinds of stuff, right? Bosses who don't understand you and your own self uh, problems you're working out. Strength, 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 strength. strength. Yeah. Creatine. It's the supernatural creatine. What could we call that? No, supernatural steroids, supernatural whey protein. What would it be? All of the above. The way, the way, this is the way, yeah, this is, this is how they should translate, um, the founder of Opus Dei's book. I
0: can't think of his name right now. This is a great transition. I think So the very last section of this, the conclusion is this sent forth, this going Mm -hmm. out on the way. And so the bishops make this, uh, you know, just a little brief stop at the, the dismissal formulas, how they're all go, 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 go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. And so I think that's the end, that is the end game is uh not so you can spend 23 and a half hours in eucharistic adoration uh in the blessed sacrament chapel although if that's what you're called to then then it is but for most people it's to it's to adore god come face to face and mouth to mouth and heart to heart with him in the mass and in the eucharist to be transformed by him and then go on your way Mm -hmm. uh go out into the world and uh be transformed yourself by this encounter and this uh, worthy reception of Jesus in the Eucharist. And then transform your own little corner of the world, your your family and your friends and your workplace. And just kind of let that exude. That's at least, you know, that's the formula. And, you know, the bishops are calling us back to that because it, well, it doesn't seem to be working. But, you know, is it because it's not working or because we're not doing it? So let's go back and try it because we don't uh, even
1: know how to do it. You know, I mean, we're like we're very removed. We need to be, uh, you know, educated. So, yeah. And if you're on fire with divine life, you're happy, you're joyful, you're not gossiping, you're not making fun of people, you're giving away all that you have, you're sharing your goods. People find you happy to be with, warm. It's like coming to the Johnson Farm, you know, Uh where Chris lives. Uh, People I've talked to and I had this experience too, they're sort of like. B.C. and A.D. in history. And there's before B.J.F. and A.J.F. in life before Johnson <laughs> Farm and after Johnson Farm. Uh, yeah. uh, and yeah. it's like life changes. Like, I've never seen a vision of life like this, multi-generational and cows. And I know you live there, Chris. You see all the, all the, how the sausage is made. But for an outsider, my, oh. my. Sister and brother-in-law still talk about that visit and he had mm. the pony pony ride out for the kids. And then he started hunting Then he started to grow his own food. And then he started mm. imitating those mojitos you were all drinking because there was something so compelling mm. about his experience. It's like, I want to do that. right? Mm. And so if Christians are just bickering and arguing and you're a heretic get out of my face, believe this or else, well, you know, what's that going to do? Hey, you don't love me. I love you anyway. You don't believe this? Well, mm. I'm happy to talk to you. And I know you had some friends up there who weren't Catholic, right? And they came became Catholic through mm-hmm. seeing the the life you all lived up there. So I mean that's in the in the end, right? That's what it's about. God's got divine life, he wants to give it to all of us. Some of us are chosen to be bearers of it to others. And if you're not a good bearer of it, no one's gonna want it. And then they're not gonna get it. And then mm-hmm. they're not happy. And then they're declare war, and then there's nuclear war and the world ends, right? So here we go. Okay. Eucharistic divine <laughs> life is the best antidote to nuclear war. And, I don't know. I went to I went to Chris's house and was like, maybe I need to reconsider this whole Catholicism.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Jesse>. <laughs> well. Uh, yeah. Well, we're trying, but that's what we all need to do. Re- you know, receive uh, come to that. That's what the bishops in this document. And you know, when they're general pastoral care of the church, you know, come to meet Jesus, uh, come to life again through encountering Jesus, get transformed and transfigure others. So and the people who anyway. hate
1: Christianity and the people who hate Catholicism. Don't get this, right? What they see is limitations on my freedom. It's going to make me unhappy. And so our selling point is, you know, this is good for you. And it's a hard sell. But uh, if we don't at really start that way, who's going to want it? Yeah. I spent an, a good amount of time in Costco over a break because I was going there with my sister a few times. Man, those free samples, they, my sister totally fell for the some kind of teriyaki barbecue sauce because she <laughs> tasted some on the chicken and little paper thing. Totally works. This is delicious. Eucharist yeah. is delicious and divine life.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe as a final word here, the bishops in 58 say, We have offered these reflections on the Eucharistic faith and practice of the church as a starting point. And so we've offered these first 10 episodes of season seven of the Liturgy Guys as a starting point. And as we in the next 20 move, episodes, <laughs> as we move on from this, we're going to look at different uh, facets of uh, uh, doctrine and of history and of practice and of teachers and popes. Uh, on the Eucharist. And again, we'll, we, the three of us hope to to grow in our own Eucharistic faith and knowledge and we hope that uh, maybe something we say will help you do the same. Mm-hmm.
1: Hey, I have a couple of shout outs to Father Matt Fish in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. who says he listens to our podcast all the time. Also, Grace Strother at St. Clair of Assisi Parish in Charleston where I'll be speaking in a month or so. She said she's listening to our season on and Concilium among other things and using that to prep to teach the parishioners in her wow. parish about chilium. so it's Thank pretty you. darn. I, I have uh, I, I, I a shout good. out too. Uh, I I ran into uh, one of our longtime uh, listeners, Aaron Aziz, at the uh, Seek Conference, and yeah. uh, th- this is a a guy who brought a few a few guys. They drove from uh, Vanderbilt all the way to Chicago for our very first Young Adult Liturgy Conference. So it's good to touch base with him. And I mean, you know, you go to those conferences and you see like every everybody there were a bunch of li students there you know Mm -hmm. and uh so uh but yeah well uh i think it's time for a liturgy question a liturgy what uh, question what question (laughs) what question all right let's do (laughs) that all right i was gonna let that ride i'm gonna let it ride mail call Oh, oh, Moses, Moses, why do you question me? Why do you care? Today, we have a similar debate over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? In my case, sir, the question
0: is totally without meaning.
1: What? Okay, this week we have a question from Sarah. Sarah says, hello, liturgy guys.
0: Is this Cardinal Sarah? No, it's just, (laughs) is it Sarah or Sarah? I don't know. I've never heard him say his own name. It's like the wine. Okay. Anyway, when he, when, he Hi, Sarah. Me, he just, when he calls me, he just says, This is, this is the cardinal. <laughs> All
1: right. Sarah says, Hello, liturgy guys. Hello, Sarah. Sarah says, As we were celebrating a mass for Pope Benedict in our diocese, the parish already had a mass intention for the day of Pope Benedict's funeral. Is it possible to have two mass intentions for one mass, or do we have to move one of those mass intentions to another day?
0: Mm, this is a great question. I fielded this a couple of times too. And then I went on to ask other people what they thought. Mass intention questions are difficult. So again, the, the question is, so uh, let's say you're going to do uh, a mass for Pope Benedict. And, but you know, priests and parishes have taken mass intentions for like a year, you know, sometimes a year in advance. And so Let's say you already had a mass intention on you know Wednesday or something like that, and all of a sudden you're going to do a mass, a memorial mass or something like that, Mass for the Dead for Pope Benedict. What do you what do you do? Can you have two intentions? Uh what, what the people I asked said is, no, if you're going to say a mass for the repose of the soul of Pope Benedict, that's really the intention of the mass. And so I think your your options are you've got to contact the person who made who 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 um uh, but, ask for that particular but Chris, it's intention. the
1: anniversary of our wedding. I, I sure. And-
0: Absolutely. No, days are important to people. And so you need, either need to ask them if they could assign the intention uh, to another mass, or I think uh, if the person, you can at least ask their permission if a second intention can be added, whether it's for the soul of the Pope or for something else. And I think if they permit that, then that's possible. I too. want to
1: meet the person that says, ah, uh, No.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry to hear about Pope Benedict and everything, but uh, yeah, this is. My I paid birthday, my 10 so, bucks. He can so, wait. <laughs> so, no. anyway, but yeah, th- this is actually a question that I received too, Jesse, a, co- uh, a couple of uh, times, and it wasn't clear. But on the whole, they said, is that no, you can't really. S- the people I asked anyway said, no, you can't uh, celebrate a mass for Pope Benedict if there's already a- an intention, but. Again, this is confusing stuff, and if we ever if we ever do a podcast on mass intentions, we're going to have to have a special guest. That's all I have to say. I,
1: I have a secondary question. Okay. Are there mass? This uh, question from Jesse. Yeah. This Hi Jesse. From, Hello Jesse. Jesse Jesse W. Actually, to keep him anonymous, Jay Weiler. Just for record, uh, Jay Weiler says, uh, are funeral masses always the intention of the deceased." for that funeral or can I would you have think a, so. See, but that's could you a special
0: intention for a different. uh No, I don't think you could see, but that's a special mass. You know, the funeral is going to be at 10 o'clock on Saturday where there isn't usually a mass. It's not going to be something else. So that's not difficult to, uh, to accommodate, but. Hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, at questions. my funeral,
1: the intention can be for somebody else. Okay. Chris. Pope Benedict. Yeah. All right. All right. Sarah, thank you for your question. And if you have a question for us, you can email us at questions at liturgyguys.com or tweet us at liturgyguys. Thank you and God bless. Thank you and God bless.
0: Another episode of Liturgy Guys has mercifully come to an end.
1: Our hosts are Chris Get Out of My Dreams and Into My Carsons, Dennis Big McNamara, and Jesse Y-O-Y-O Weiler.
0: Our producers
1: are Michael Don't Be So Coy and Nathan First Round Draft Pickman. Our Epiclesis
0: Inspector is Isabel Ringing. Our Liturgical Bookkeeper is Miss L. Romano. Our Official Aerobics Instructor is Jen Uflect. Our Enforcer of Choral Discipline is Don B-Flat.
1: Our Official Rubrics Interpreter is Dewey Neal.
0: Our Self-Gift
1: Provider is Kenosis. Our Simplicity Enforcer is Fran Siskin. And lastly, our Crack Team of Confessors is Dewey Shribum and Howe. And even though overstoles become understoles when they hear us say it, we are the The Liturgy Liturgy Guys.